Hello, it's Kerry and Rachel. Rachel, what are you doing? You got all the good words. <laughs> Welcome to Dirty Vegetables, a podcast where we discuss hot topics in the vegan world, exposing the dirt on animal industries and sharing our complete adoration for vegetables. 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 Welcome to Dirty Vegetables Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about chickens. Chickens in all of their glory. We're going to start off and talk a little bit about how chickens are sentient beings. Then we're going to talk a bit about why the industry of farming chickens is detrimental. And then we'll talk about our experience with chickens and how not to eat them. But first, how are you doing, Rachel? I'm doing good. I um, am feeling a little bit more relaxed now that all the technical issues seem to be resolved. But I'm happy. We're in Lago di Aidro at the moment, which is a beautiful Italian lake in Italy. Um, and it's absolutely stunning. Went on a bike ride earlier today and enjoying the nature. How are you? Nice. I'm good because it's sunny in Northern Ireland today and that's very exciting. The sun is out and uh, so are the smiles. <laughs> um, but I'm, this is my last week in Belfast before packing up and moving back to Edinburgh. So a bit of a weird time, a wee bit emotional, but like happy, but you know, all the feelings. All the feelings. The end of an era. How long have you been living in Belfast? Um, for like three years, which seems crazy because two of it, wow. two of those years kind of yeah. vanished, you know, the worldwide pandemic and the like. But yeah, new adventures, new exciting adventures. I'd wait. I wait. <laughs> Yay! Travel. Yay! So let's get stuck in. First of all, like always, we're going to talk about our dirty vegetable of the week, which is drumroll. Satan! The reason why we've chosen this is because it is often used as a substitute for chicken in different dishes. So it fits in quite well with the topic. And uh, seitan originates from Japan. It comes from the Japanese word sei, meaning made of, along with tan, which is shortening of the word tanpaku, pronunciation to be um, questioned. <laughs> Uh, which basically means protein. So it basically means it's made of protein, which I think is really interesting. And traditionally it was prepared by Zen Buddhists from as early as the 6th century, but has grown a lot in popularity recently. Um, a lot because of veganism and vegetarianism. It's a really good substitute. Uh, so I didn't realise it was about this long. I thought this is a really recent discovery, Satan, but no. Ancient. Yeah, I thought it was fairly new as well. But that's the same as tofu. Tofu's been around for like ever as well i know amazing there's always been vegans they just have suddenly appeared in the last few years <laughs> so yeah seitan's normally used as a meat substitute you'll see it a lot used in different restaurants and stuff and i'm going to be honest here i'm not the biggest fan of seitan <laughs> i've had it a few times i had it in a restaurant in bristol and it was like a vegan kfc sort of restaurant and i just wasn't a fan i don't think it sort of hit the same as where as a chicken burger you would expect it to so um i wasn't that impressed and i haven't to be honest i haven't made it myself and i haven't delved into the world of seitan that much have you yeah i I actually really like seitan and I was surprised to hear that that KFC experience didn't go well because I would love to try a vegan KFC. It was nice. It was nice, but, but it, it wasn't, wasn't like whoa. legendary. Yeah, I really like seitan. Mm. I really enjoy the texture of it. I really like the chew and I've had it in really good dishes out. I enjoy it in the katsu curry that Wagamama have now, the vegan katsu curry. That's with seitan. I enjoy that and it just when I'm cooking with it myself, I often do some sort of Asian inspired inspired dish where I'll do like a glaze with sambal and soy and then like fry it so it's really crispy on the outside and then I'll you eat it with like noodles or something or on top of ramen. That's really nice. And yeah, it's something that we always have in the fridge. 
um like we buy it just as much as tofu really yeah so do you make it from scratch like from the wheat gluten thing oh no no that that no, whole just process it, like confuses me like washing the gluten off the what is it that you have to do you have to like wash flour in order to change the structural integrity of it and then make it into a dough and then you can fry that dough i don't i don't know that just seems like really complicated like that would take hours wouldn't it i've never tried but maybe that's something that we need to try this week i don't know i've heard people talk about it. i don't know how simple it is um but yeah it's it's essentially made from wheat gluten and it's it's really it's quite good for you it's low fat low carb really high protein but it's not good if you're celiac because it's just literally pure gluten. I think there's a big, you know, a lot of people are going against gluten recently, you know, with bread and carbs and stuff, which I don't, I think people are um, allergic to it, but not everyone is. I don't think I am. Do you think you are? I think I maybe have like a minor sensitivity to gluten. Like I definitely do notice that if I've had a day that I've eaten a lot of bread, I, I do feel bloated, but maybe that's inevitable. Like maybe you should feel bloated from eating loads loads of bread. I don't know, but like I did kind of jump on that whole gluten free bandwagon a little bit, and I like cut down. Yeah, I think we all yeah. did. <laughs> and when I was doing my yoga teacher training, they were kind of like passionately ve- gluten free. Um, it was like Ayurvedic vegan gluten free food, and I felt amazing. Like I felt so light, and I had a lot of energy. So that kind of mm. convinced me as well. Yeah, and I don't actually buy bread that much. I think a lot of people are like very reliant on bread, whereas I don't buy it that much. I buy wraps a lot, but not like a loaf of bread, you know? Like I don't yeah, eat a piece same. of toast, but I used mm. to, but not anymore. I would eat a piece of toast, but I wouldn't be eating bread every day. Although I think a lot of people would eat bread every day, <laughs> you know? But I love, I do love sourdough. Yeah. Like, yeah that's more of a wee treat thing because sardo is quite expensive you know you want to buy the good one yeah speaking of which i'd really like to, to learn how to do the starter for sourdough oh, me too me too <laughs> you can't just do the starter you have to get it off someone else oh i didn't know that i thought you just started some sort of culture and then you just allowed it to grow over the years and it became more and more pungent <laughs> And it moved into the room next door and set up its life. Literally, you open up a door and it's just like bubbling yeast. <laughs> oh, don't worry, that's just starter. No, I think you have to get it off someone else because I've heard people say that all sardo is just comes from the same initial starter that someone made. Wow, that is surely not. <laughs> uh, that would be surprising. Yeah, I may have gone a bit farther, but. Um, I think I I don't think you can just make a starter, but I I think we need to look into this. Well, if any listeners are like yeah. big big bread experts, please let us know the process of um either buying or making a starter to do your own sourdough. We want more information. I don't think it's very straightforward. I think it's quite a quite a challenge. The whole sourdough movement. Wait, hold on. If there's lots of different types of flour that are all wheat flour does that mean then that you could have for example whole grain versus brown versus white satan that's a good point i i i, I simply don't know but um... <laughs> i, I want to know i would buy the i would buy the healthy one i would definitely be like influenced by that labeling if it was like a whole grain satan i would be buying that over the white one i feel like it'll be a certain type of flour that you always use like a white flour or whatever yeah it must be like a strong bread flour i have in my mind i feel like we would have came across it otherwise brown satan yeah well then but then i I mean i'm not that well acquainted with the supermarkets in the uk anymore because i've been traveling for a couple of years but i never really seem to remember seeing just like a block of satan in the fridge in supermarkets back home like i've found here in europe like you'll bet get these massive chunks of it in a big block kind of like tofu but even bigger and firmer and then you like do what you want with it i feel like back home there was just like companies like vivera and other ones that made pre kind of seasoned and chopped up seitan or seitan what's that german thing with the breadcrumbs on it it begins with an s it begins with an s it's like really flat schnitzel (laughs) i used to buy that and there was like a whole food store in edinburgh and they sold this seitan schnitzel and it was delicious yeah but i never remember seeing just a block of seitan 
Like, is that a th- is that a yeah? Thing? You'd, that's that's a not a thing. You. I don't think it's a thing. It might be in the health food shop. To be fair, I would imagine that it is, but I've never seen it and I've never bought it. And maybe that's why I'm not a satan gal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, next time we're together abroad (laughs) I'll show you these blocks because that's all I ever buy now and then I can just do whatever I want with it I can breadcrumb it I can fry it I can whatever right I'm on the lookout I'm on the lookout in Belfast to find a big block of Satan Satan (laughs) there's actually these I've seen these t-shirts online that say like heal Satan you know like vegan (laughs) t-shirts I've not seen it, but I enjoy that. That's a I good like one. Good. And I've seen I've, another vegan T-shirt. I enjoy is people that have the kale, but it'll be like in the the font of Yale. Yale, I've got that. <laughs> Do I've you got have that jumper? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe I saw you wear it, but I've seen other people wear it, and I've thought that's brilliant. Like I really want to get a T-shirt that says kale on it. I think it's so good. Yeah, my sister bought me that jumper. It's like a jumper, but I only realized literally about. A couple of weeks ago, a month ago, that it was meant to say Yale. I only, I didn't get it. Oh no! <laughs> I just thought it said Kale, and that was that. I think I was watching something that was talking about Yale University. And I was like, Yale, Kale. <laughs> the penny dropped. You made the connection. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good moment to be honest. Good moment. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> chickens. chickens, chickens. Now we're talking about chickens. Um, we're going to start off and talk about all the really cool things about chickens. So we're going to talk about how chickens are amazing animals, and we need to protect them and try and save them. So something that's really amazing about chickens, they're really capable of complex thought. You know, I think a lot of people think that chickens are just running around in a little barn or whatever and they just don't really think about much. But they actually have a very similar brain to the human brain and they're capable of thinking about the past and the future and they actually make memories as well. Even when they're in their little eggs, they can make memories and they can actually communicate with their mother through peeps whilst they're in the egg, which absolutely blew my mind. And they actually will peep to let their mother know when they're ready to be born. And they can actually communicate with their siblings whilst they're also in the egg. And these communications can actually speed up or slow down the other chicken's development, which I just think is madness because that's something if you are Comparing this to humans, that's something that humans absolutely cannot do. You know, if you're trying to say that humans are superior in some way, chickens can actually communicate when they're not even born. (laughs) And just on top of that, their mother will actually communicate to them as well. So she'll purr, like she'll purr to her little eggs. Yes, chickens can purr, which I think is just really quite cute as well. Yeah, that is cute. And another fact about chickens, which might make you stop underestimating them, is their social intelligence. They have these ways of interacting with one another and forming relationships, which is really quite nuanced and shows how important working in a group and being part of a pack. Is it a pack of chickens? Oh, that's a good question. It's really important for them to operate in a group, basically, and kind of like... The high level way that they organize their groups is that they have a pecking order where they literally peck at each other to decide who's going to be the alpha chicken and he kind of like governs the rest of the group and the group is then kind of organized hierarchically from the the alpha all the way down to probably like the youngsters right at the bottom and the older chickens which is nice i think that's quite cool that they organize themselves that way and also um they form very very strong social bonds between each other and it's are it's been said that the their their peers could be more important to them than food that kind of suggests empathy to me and things that we definitely associate with an animal being sentient if they care that much about each other that they would choose each other over food then perhaps they feel a bit more and they're more aware of each other than we give them credit yeah and like all of these things like them favoring relationships over food have all been done in tests and like compared with different by the way it's a flock of chickens a flock Flock. that seems so obvious now thank you (laughs) <laughs> so yeah these have all been tested in different ways with different chickens and it's 
it's really amazing because I think a lot of people think that chickens are just instinctual, that they'll just run along and do something because it's instinct, but they learn this from their born, like their mother teaches them this. And um, mothers, particularly with their little chicks, they're so protective. You know, there's different um, examples of mothers literally running out and protecting their chickens to see if, like, when there's a predator and risking their own lives just for the little chickens. Um, So they'll hide them under their wings and stuff so the predators can't see the chickens, even though they might see the actual mummy chick, you know? That's mothers, but fathers, actually... And I don't know how common this is with other animals. I think we'll find out maybe as we look into other farm animals over the weeks. But roosters are really strong father figures. So even when the hen's going to lay her eggs, the rooster stays around and he actually tries to find the nest where she will lay them. So he'll help her search out the perfect nest. And then he finds, when he finds the perfect spot, he'll nestle in and sort of rock side to side and make this grumbling noise. Um, and just sort of waits for the hen's approval. So if she's like, nah, this isn't good enough, then he goes off (laughs) and finds the next nest. So I think that's really, really lovely. And it's something that humans sort of think is exclusive to them, this mother-father bond, but it's absolutely not. Yeah, that that is, that's that's actually really beautiful. And I think it's a really good demonstration of compassion and love that these animals are showing. They're not just like Mm -hmm. stupid reactive semi-conscious birds they actually have a whole internal world and social world going on that we don't give them credit for and another thing that's interesting about chickens is the extent of their cognitive ability like you mentioned that their brain is very similar to the human brain but they're also they dream which is pretty cool. There's evidence that they dream and there's also evidence that they can recognise objects after one or two days old, which I believe is a lot sooner than human babies have this object recognition that comes at four months old. And also another example of their cognitive abilities are um, the fact that they have their own language. They're not just randomly clucking or purring at each other they actually have their own specific ways of communicating with one another so yeah there's a lot going on in that chicken brain yeah it's amazing and they can chickens can recognize a hundred different faces and you know we're they say that they recognize 31 plus calls that they've recognized humans have recognized that they recognize 31 plus but if you think about it, this is just us testing it. Like, we really have no idea what their experience is like. You know, we can say these things, and these are only the things that we have tested. But there could be so much more than this. And already there's so much to chickens that people don't know. But there could be so much more that we just won't understand because we'll never be a chicken. <laughs> we'll never be a chicken. So we can talk about how amazing they are to us, but they're probably even more incredible than you'll ever really realize yeah they they could have abilities that we don't even have a measurable or quantifiable way of testing right now like they could have their own metrics and their own abilities that we that far outgo anything that we can conceive as as being possible because it's not something that we can do it makes me it's a different species but it makes me think about fish like fish have the ability Mm -hmm. to like detect the the ph level in the water and to communicate with each other through thousands of kilometers through like um ultrasonic waves or vibrations is probably a better word um through the water which is just something that we can't even perceive like yeah maybe we might have a machine that can pick up on that but this is something that they have innate in them that they can do so i bet the same applies to chickens they could be communicating to each other in some sort of um inaudible way that we would never know mm-hmm. like we can't and, and until we can have a commu- a conversation with a chicken we'll never fully understand their experience but this evidence alone suggests that they're far more yeah absolutely um conscious and cognitive and intelligent and sentient than a lot of people give them credit i think chickens especially get a lot of mm, labeling as being really stupid like really stupid they've got like two second memory people often use that example of like if a chicken's head's cut off it stays alive for like a certain amount of minutes i don't know i just feel like in in culture and in 
everyday language we Mm -hmm. tend to associate chickens a lot with being really dim and really stupid and not to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. and even like a few weeks ago I was house sitting uh, a a friend's house and she has chickens outside Um, and you know even when I would walk over the chickens would all run over to me you know it's like it was almost like a pet sort of like a dog would run over to you when you came in the in the door these chickens would all run over and the, you could tell that they knew something was going on and like they weren't just like stupid animals and even just looking at them you know I took a few videos of them just it was so amazing to look into their eyes because you can see them blink you know they've got these like little um sort of eyelids but they sort of come across the way and you can watch them blink and they really focus on you you know like chickens can run about and be quite lively but if you just sit with them they can really just stare at you and just look so peaceful and I love how their yeah. head moves <laughs> you know it's similar to that of a pigeon you know like that sort of like little shaky sort of yeah. head thing yeah I know what you mean I just think they're really really lovely animals that just aren't appreciated enough and I think people just think that they are just meat you know yeah yeah, I was just going to add to that. Just even the, the simple fact that they have the ability to lay an egg is incredible. Mm-hmm. I know it's not just chickens that can do that or birds, like also can, reptiles can and fish. But the, the ability for a chicken to lay an egg, I just think is remarkable. Like that's insane. Like think about what's going on inside their body and how that shell is being formed. Yeah. And, and then it comes out hard and, and then they can sit on it and turn it into a chick. Like there's... God, that's Mother Nature, like, (laughs) showing her glory. Like, that whole process is just profound. Like, I bet if we were to really learn about all the science and what's going on at each stage and what has to happen and for the chick to form and and then the chickens innately know what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. they know how long they have to sit on the eggs for and everything like that. I just think that alone shouldn't be underestimated because that is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next section, which is the problems with basically farming chickens industrially. I don't want to dwell on the things too much because obviously if you're listening to this, you're probably a vegan or you're thinking about becoming vegan and it can be quite intense, some of the things, but I think it's really important that especially often you're confronted with people questioning things and will say things like chickens are stupid or whatever. And it's really important to know all about the awful things that are going on. So you've got a good, strong response to when people say things that you just know is absolutely absurd. So, I mean, first of all, there are 66 billion chickens killed each year for food, which is... I can't even fathom that. I can't... You cannot think of how many chickens that is. It's insane. Um, and they're all, they live in really bad conditions when they're in industrial farms and they're often like their feeding is very disrupted they're either starved or else they are overfed for different things overfed to fatten them starved um, just to make them the way the farmer wants to be the best they can sell essentially and um, all they need and this is a legal requirement to have an A4 size of space to live in which just that's something that's really stuck with me when I've been looking into this like an A4 piece of paper is absolutely yeah how do they even fit into that you well, know they, well they don't they don't and they're all they peck at each other there's there's been so much imagery that's being released from these barns where the um the chickens have pecked at each other to the point that there's like like literally bone showing on live chickens because um, there's such overcrowding, mm-hmm. they can't flap their wings, they can't do any of the things that chickens naturally um, like to do, like scourging in dust, creating nests, interacting with one another. It's just none of this is possible for them because they're just squeezed in like sardines. And this A4 sheet of paper it only applies to kind of like um, cage-free chickens, but the ones that are, in, that are in cages, the space available for them is even smaller. I'm pretty sure they fit two or three birds into that amount of space, which is just horrendous. Um, and like the actual barns that they're living in, you know, they can have up to 50,000 birds in one barn. 
which again, to think of 50,000 birds in one space is, un- you can't even think about it. And the actual space is legally, in, this is in the UK, but this could be different across other countries as well. It could be even worse, but they're legally allowed to be windowless and artificially lit. So they can basically turn the lights on during the nighttime so that the chickens will stay awake and will grow faster essentially so they'll have more time to eat and they'll have more time to grow so they're basically torturing the chickens so they can stay awake and just basically it's there's just absolutely no welfare no and with with the artificial light thing as well um for egg laying chickens they manipulate the light as well because it affects how many eggs the chickens will lay so in nature chickens won't start laying eggs until natural daylight exceeds about 14 hours a day so farmers um, manipulate this and have the lights on for huge stretches like the majority of the time to force the chickens to lay way more eggs than they ever naturally would and i just wanted to mention another Uh, thing about the chickens welfare is how much uh, genetic modification has gone gone into making chickens now. I think chickens are a real example of like the Frankenstein freaks that we've created out of farm animals. Um, They've been genetically modified to the point that they can no longer support their own weight after not very old at all, like maybe six or eight weeks, I think it is. They can no longer actually stand anymore because their body's so heavy. Also, um, this issue with overcrowding, this is a thing that lots of geneticists and scientists have tried to come up with solutions for um, how they can maximize the growth of chickens and how to deal with issues with overcrowding because the chickens get so hot and often a lot of money is spent on air conditioning and things like this. Um, So there is actually an Israeli geneticist that managed to, through selective breeding, he managed to create a featherless chicken. So they have no feathers on them at all. And the pros of this are that they take up less space because they don't have their coat anymore. And that means that they can fit way more chickens into a barn and they don't have to spend money on air conditioning because the chickens cool off easier because they can sweat easier, which is just crazy. Like um, this was talked about in the book Farmageddon, which goes into industrial farming methods and it just it says that these chickens literally just looked like what you would buy in the supermarket, but they were alive. The featherless birds, it it means that they can live in highly, highly tropical climates um, and withstand the temperatures. So we're just interacting with nature in a way that is just so scary, I think. Like, as a human race, we're playing God and we're creating animals that shouldn't exist for our own benefit. Yeah, I just, I can't understand how a human could do that and just have a clean conscience do you know what I mean like I just can't understand like I feel like I've talked to farmers in the past and it's always one of those things where they know I'm vegan so it's like there's going to be some sort of awkward conversation here and you know I always bring that up like how does it make you feel like and a lot of people just say oh I just detach from it or you know they'll go back to the things like oh but that's we're meant to eat that but I don't know how you can, for chickens, like I don't know how you can look at them and just think, oh, it's fine. It's fine what I'm doing. Like breeding new, like you said, Frankenstein things, like breeding things in a lab. It's, it's so crazy. And isn't it mad that people are so caught up in genetically modified vegetables? <laughs> They're like, oh, you know, genetically modified vegetables. Oh, no, they're really against it. And they don't even think about things like this. Yeah, that their actual the meat is genetically modified. Something that's not really talked about as much, I don't think. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Like people have really jumped on the bandwagon of like non-GMO um, food in terms of vegetables, but yeah, they don't think about it as much in terms of meat, or at least not in my circles. I never really hear people mentioning it. But there's no meat, pretty much, that you can buy now that hasn't been genetically modified to some degree. Like even these like ultra free range ethical farms um like i don't think there even exists any of the kind of the original variations of these animals so these animals are still going to be genetically modified to some degree so yeah it's disturbing i think 
and you said there yeah. you don't understand how people can have it on their consciousness like that that I always think about that with the people that are involved with this like labeling that we have for meat so you'll have like RSPCA assured and the red tractor and Ed Winters goes into this quite a lot in his book this is vegan propaganda but there's an example with chickens where a farm got exposed for having like loads and loads of chickens in various stages of death either they were dying dead or they're in different stages of decomposition right next to live chickens which suggests the ultimate disregard for humane living conditions if there's dead or dying chickens alongside live ones and this farm had a red, red tractor um, seal of approval on it, which is like a, a metric we use for quality assuring meat. And it still has that red tractor label, even though it's been exposed for these conditions. So that there's like, I think these boards that are supposed to be assuring us like humanely um, prepared food, there's so many layers of corruption going on because more often than not it'll be like the head people of these massive food industry conglomerates that are actually on the board that do this red Mm -hmm. tractor labeling or rspca assured so it's like the people that they're supposed to be holding to account are themselves and the only reason they're doing any of this is to make the consumer feel less guilty for what they're buying but like the whole concept of even having an organization like the RSPCA, which is supposed to be all about animal welfare, having them involved in the meat industry at all seems like such a paradox to me because yeah. if you really cared about animals, you'd be trying to encourage people to be vegan. You wouldn't be going to a farm and saying, yeah, that's good. Let's encourage people to buy that. If the standards are all they're doing is making making sure it meets the minimal standards, it's just and often not even that. It's really bizarre to me. It would be like another charity for another protected group of people being involved with the people that are harming that group of people. So if it was mm-hmm. um, a, like Ed uses this example, and I think it's a good one, so I'll use it too. It would be like if the Protection for Children charities were working with people that harm children, like they should be mm-hmm. trying to keep children away from the harmers as much as possible. And this is essentially what we're doing with animals. And I think chickens especially live in such horrible, horrible conditions. I think a lot of that, you know, when you're talking about um, big bodies supporting farming, you know, a lot of that comes down to research as well. You see this a lot where, you know, loads of, for example, chicken farmers will fund a study that says that chicken is good for you you know what I mean and you cannot trust what it's saying like it's like there was one example in America there was a breast cancer charity and they got funded by KFC (laughs) now it's it's quite well known that a lot of chicken like eating meats especially those like processed foods can be really bad for causing cancer and it was KFC who was funding this charity and they actually did uh like a day where they would give out chicken in pink boxes to support like big buckets these big unhealthy buckets of chicken to support breast cancer like how does that make any sense make it make sense yeah that's absolutely absurd like that's the only word i have for that yeah i think um another thing with that is the free range eggs and you know this is something that people always say when they're buying eggs, oh, but I buy them free range. And you know, that means absolutely nothing. Like to be free range, they just need to be outside in daylight and like not have loads of space, but just be outside for something like an hour a day or something insane like that. So that's all they need, a little bit of time outside and that's considered free range. They're not roaming the hills. I think people have this vision of these happy chickens roaming the hills and laying their eggs and, you know, the farmer sneaking in and picking them up. Like, it's just absolutely not what happens. No, it's so true. It's greenwashing to the highest degree. And free range or not free range, the same processes are being done with the the male chicks, where if a chick um, is male, which is of no use to the industry because they're not going to grow big breasts for meat and they're not going to lay eggs for egg consumption, they're just immediately blended live 
um, which isn't always that effective. There's clips of chicks that have, haven't been fully killed that are kind of like minced at the bottom of this big pit where all the other male chicks have been minced, which is really graphic, but I don't think people really realise that's what's going on. Um, and then this minced meat, which I didn't actually know, I learned this from your note on our document, is then often used to make um, products like chicken nuggets, which is just mm-hmm. <laughs> like if... if the people that eat chicken nuggets most often is normally children. And if you said to a child, um, here's a baby male chick, shall we put it in my Nutribullet live and turn it into a chicken nugget? They would be absolutely horrified. But that is literally what's happening. Like, we're so disconnected mm-hmm. from what's happening. But that is what's happening. And it has been happening for so long. And it makes me think about, there's this advert that McDonald's did um, I always remember it. It really vividly stayed in my mind. And I think it's because even when I watched it, it was on the TV years ago. And I think I was younger. And I think even when I watched it then, I was like, this doesn't seem right. But basically, there was this woman that was saying like, oh, I wouldn't eat chicken nuggets. There's all sorts of funny bits in them. And then um, it kind of clips to McDonald's. It cuts to McDonald's. And they're like, that's not true. And we're going to prove it to you. And then she goes and visits this farm. And it's all like it's like an old McDonald's had a farm kind of fairy tale farm situation going on with these happy clucking chickens and then they're saying like we only source ethically sourced humanely raised um 100% chicken breast in our chicken nuggets which is just like so not true there's I don't believe that for a second there's no way the McDonald's are doing things to that high of a standard and it's just cherry picking information to um, influence consumers. It's like it's playing with consumers' consciousness so that they don't feel guilty making that choice. When in reality, what's happening is baby chicks that have just come into life, like the glory of Mother Nature and the wonder of life, they've just become alive and then they're getting minced up and turned into chicken nuggets. That's actually what's happening. So, yeah, gets me rivaled up. <laughs> yeah, I think. You know, you see a lot of, I've seen it multiple times online, the sh- like um, someone being shocked about finding a chicken's head in their bargain bucket, right? And I've seen it being like, there's literally, it's coated in the, you know, like the KFC coating and you can see it's a head or a foot. I've seen that as well before. And it's like, are you shocked to find a chicken in your chicken box? <laughs> like, why why is that so disgusting and horrifying to someone to find the head and yet they're literally just eating the rest of the animal yeah like it it doesn't make any sense to me and i actually i think this will be a topic that we'll get into in another episode about hunting but you know at least a lot of the time when people would hunt animals and they would be in the wild they would actually use all of the parts of the animal whereas in this they're just cutting off the chicken breast or whatever and throwing it in and then they're just wasting the rest of it yeah and it's just like it's so it's just so inhumane i mean it's not humane in the first place but at least you know use it to some extent yeah but the shock of people like oh my god a chicken's head in my box of chicken like what (laughs) yeah or like the internal organs like a lot of people kind of turn their nose up to like french people that famously Mm -hmm. eat chicken liver pate like oh that's terrible like oh disgusting internal organs it's like why have we made some parts of a dead animal really okay and super desirable and oh my gosh look at those juicy succulent chicken breasts in that plastic package in the supermarket but on the other hand of the scale things like their internal organs like you say their head maybe their feet um seems really grotesque but their wings oh that's a treat like a chicken wing doused in barbecue mm-hmm. sauce Mm-mm. like yeah, the wing it, thing so bizarre i just don't I don't get the the wing thing. The way when people say it, I, I just like. Even when I'm talking about like vegan wings, I really don't like that term no. because it's literally like a body part. Like vegan wings, I just not. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And people are really obsessed with wings, eating them. But even like the skin, you know, people talk about the skin of a chicken, right? And. That's an awful thing to think about, eating the skin. Um, and I just, it's that's an organ as well. <laughs> skin is an organ. There's no difference, absolutely no difference. Yeah, it's, it's 
bizarre. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And I think especially for us now that we've kind of taken such a step away from this disconnection and this that people have with the food they eat and what's actually going on in the industry like now that we've learned so much about it like I find it so hard now being on this side of the fence to not get like so flabbergasted by the people on the other side of the fence because it's like how can you not see mm-hmm. <laughs> and then but then but then and that's not coming from a judgmental point of view because I used to be there too like Nando's was my weakness mm-hmm. like th- if I think I'd love to find out if anyone knows then please let us know how many chickens a year Nando's kills it must be astronomical but I never thought about that at all I loved Nando's it became it was almost part mm-hmm. of my like identity a little bit in the first few years of university because I went so often I went through a phase of going like once a week and again this it reminded me of the thing that Ed was saying in his book Ed Winters when he was saying that he used to love KFC he's now like the biggest vegan activist out there but he used to go like twice a week and like the workers in KFC knew his order and everything and he also said that at the time he was like a self-proclaimed animal lover and he was living in this strange paradox that we're all living in um or the majority of us are living in and I was there too you know like I loved Nando's I went so much and it was one of the things that I found the hardest to to give up when I first went vegan like I really struggled to let that fix go um but now I and now I just that I'm now that I'm aware of what's going on in these barns and what's actually happening with chickens and, and how sentient and intelligent they are and how good substitutes can be I just it's mm-hmm. just not worth it anymore. No, I just wouldn't even consider eating chicken. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, see, I remember we used to go to Nando's quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> in first year. Now Nando's have actually got quite a few vegan things now, um, which is good. But I think that brings up another question of how much do you want to support an, a company like that that kills so many chickens, but to be honest, it's probably hard to avoid. I think that's something that's hard to avoid in the grand scheme of things. You know, you can't avoid everything. So talking a bit more, like we've spoken a lot about um, chicken meat there, um, but also talking more specifically about eggs. I think it's worth noting that the conditions in which egg um, egg laying chickens are kept in is often um, even worse than the broiler chickens that are for meat. I believe that the UK is cage-free now, but it took a long time for that transition to happen. And in many countries around the world, chicken egg-laying chickens are still kept in these cages um, in such horrendous conditions. And I mentioned before about the lights. The lights are kept on to encourage them to lay more eggs because the light interferes with their reproductive system. Um, and we've got to the point now that we've manipulated with our hormones so much and we've um, manipulated their environment so much that they can now lay up to 300 eggs a year, which is so unnatural when we look at their closest living ancestor, which can only lay around 15 eggs a year. So we're really pushing their bodies to the absolute limit, uh, expleting them of all their resources and then killing them, which is just doesn't really seem to be worth it for a fried egg in my opinion because eggs I think were one of the things that I found the easiest to give up actually I didn't struggle at all I found that tofu scramble was such a good substitute I really got on that bandwagon and also aquafaba don't know if I'm saying it right but the the um, chickpea brine that you can find when you buy cans or jars of chickpeas that's such an incredible egg replacement it really blows my mind because it's got so much protein content in the brine um, if you whisk it up it really resembles the same texture as egg whites so it makes a really good mayonnaise or you can use it for meringues or um, you can use it in cocktails and it'll give that kind of like white head that you get with some cocktails so I think eggs are a thing that being a vegan you really can get some great substitutes with oh and another thing is gram flour aka chickpea flour this really blew my mind when i was at the uh yoga retreat in ibiza they made these kind of spanish omelets but with gram flour instead of eggs and it was so good like they created some sort Mm. of like almost batter consistency with the flour and then poured it over like your onions and your potatoes and your garlic and then made this kind of thick Spanish omelet. Oh, I'd like to try that. So good. And you can also do like a thin omelet with it and just kind of put it in a pan like a crepe. 
Um, and yeah, just wow. really, a, just a real example of creativity. So, um, yeah. What about you um, with eggs? Were you, was, was it hard to get them up? Eggs? I was never, I was never really into eggs. I liked poached eggs, but like, it was not something I was attached to at all. So it was very easy for me. I actually, I always thought that I felt a bit weird after eggs. Like, not like a mental, this is an egg, but more, I just felt a wee bit sick. I always did. I remember every time I had an omelette, which I literally have only had maybe, I only had three omelettes maybe in my whole life because I always felt weird after it or scrambled eggs as well. It's just something didn't sit right with me with eggs. Maybe it was like my body telling me, you know, this is wrong, Carrie. Um, But yeah, the eggs was was not a problem with me at all. I I love a toast-free scramble, I must admit. Um, And yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's like egg white in a lot of cocktails. So just check that out. Any ones with like a white foam on the top will often have egg white in it. Um, And a lot of times they might not even mention it on the menu. So just be aware of that um but yeah i really want to try that gram flour thing now i've actually seen a lot of people making like pancakes with um just like lentils and and chickpeas and stuff just blending it up with some water and pouring it on the pan and making like a pancake so this is something that i'm adding to my repertoire maybe we'll try and make a little recipe yeah that's a nice idea because i think it's it's such an example of creativity like if we've already become if we if we've already been able to come up with all these um novel uses of things like the aquafaba or the chickpea brine or using chickpea flour to make omelets like think about how many more discoveries there are out there that let they really just mm-hmm. drive the message home that we don't need to have animal products anymore pretty much anything you're craving any texture any flavor that you're craving you can find a completely plant-based alternative i truly believe that yeah, i've seen a lot of substitutes online you know about vegan eggs i can't remember what the name of it is but i've seen a lot of that but because i've never really been into eggs i didn't feel the need to buy it you know there's a lot of you can get some of those like vegan um scotch eggs as well but again i don't really have an interest in that because it's not my not my vibe but there is stuff out there for anyone who is like find it really hard to let go of eggs and i think in the gym world you know eggs is a big thing this protein you must have eggs thing you know i know a lot of people like my brother used to eat just like raw eggs i just find that insane like horrifying (laughs) yeah just to think of what that actually is like it's bizarre but there's so many more sources of protein and this is a big thing that people will call out vegans for where do you get your protein um and you do not you absolutely do not need eggs for that and it is quite amazing that a lot of time these substitutes will be really high in protein like you were saying with the aquafaba or you know there's different things that are made out of beans and stuff yeah that are super high in protein so you're not losing out on that if you're choosing the vegan substitute as well absolutely absolutely and i think that that fitness thing is a good point because often people are really into eating lean chicken when they're really fit it makes Mm -hmm. i I have this image in my mind of people eating like steamed broccoli boiled potatoes and lean grilled chicken with like no flavoring on it at all because this is the best thing for growing muscles blah, blah 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 but like we just need to to let go of that and realize that you can achieve that protein through other things like seitan that we spoke about at the start that is full of protein and tofu or your fake meats that you can get in the supermarket if you read the label make sure that they're not full of e-numbers like all of these things are full of protein because ultimately we need to remember that the animals that we're eating to get protein they must have formed their protein from somewhere and often or in fact always that's from grains that we have grown specifically Mm -hmm. for these animals often soya to make feed for them because they're not they're not out on the fields eating grass the way nature intended no they're in these highly packed barns they're fed this grain that we've grown specifically from that for them instead of growing them for humans um and they've managed to make protein from that that we then get from them so it's a really kind of unsustainable method when in reality we can just eat the grains ourselves 
free up a lot of the land that's being used for the grains for the animals and um, get protein that way and cut out the middleman. Okay, so just to come back to the initial question that we asked, which is basically why should we love and fight for chickens? Um, And I think our overarching answer is sort of like chickens are capable of so much more than we give them credit for. And in a lot of ways, they're very similar to humans. They form relationships, they have memories, they can think in the future and the past, and they've got a real consciousness that a lot of humans just neglect because they think they're just theirs too basically kill and eat Um, and I think there's just so much so many ways in which they're exploited and they're over farmed in all of the world so I think it's important to let's have conversations about these things you know it's it's good to talk about the positive things about chickens as well because a lot of the time people will jump on vegans and they'll come out with all these awful things are going on I think people can be quite desensitized to it So I think it's good to have the positive things of chickens and why they're such amazing animals as well. And let's talk about that so that people maybe have more of a connection to the animal and they find it more, more difficult. Um, And just actually just talking about this, something's just come to my head. Last week, my mum said to me, she texted me and said, Carrie, I'm not going to eat chicken anymore. She just said that. And I was like, Why? um what's going on and she was like I saw these videos online of the awful things that they did to chicks and the way they were really badly treated and it was like coming from um a like chicken sanctuary or an animal sanctuary and she was like that's that's literally it full stop I'm just not eating it anymore and I was like yay (laughs) but like I I started to talk to her about all the good things about chickens because I don't want to I think it's important to not overwhelm people too much with the awful things that are going on. I think it's really important to know it. And like, I think for me, I've slowly educated myself on this because if I go too deep into it, it'll just be really like quite depressing. And it's really, really sad when you think about it. Um, But yeah, I think know the good things, know the bad things in case people question you on it. And um, yeah, just have the conversations. Yeah, I think that's so well said like overall we need to try and change the narrative around chickens and instead of putting this them into this livestock category of food for our consumption we should see them as majestic animals in their own right that are capable of so much more than we have ever considered um and they want to be alive just as much as everyone else that's alive wants to be alive so it's nice to change the change the narrative and give them some respect um And if you are vegan, it's nice to now know all the good reasons why you're saving some chickens' lives because they're going to be grateful because they are capable of so much. Perfectly said. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, As always, you can send us a message on Instagram at Dirty Vegetables with a Z or visit our website www.dirtyvegetables.com or you can send us an email, dirtyvegetables.com at gmail.com but we'd love to hear from you and what's your experience with chickens or how do you feel about the podcast today and I was gonna say something else if you have any if you have any good uh vegan chicken substitute recommendations or vegan chicken recipes that you want to share then please let us know yeah and I think um I think we should change the word I don't even like using the word vegan chicken you know it's all about yeah it's, it's a weird thing to me i always say chicken like there's one i think there's a brand in martin spencer's it's like c-h-i-c-k apostrophe n yeah I've seen and that i always say too. that chicken, chicken like i don't want to say because it's not not the animal let's let's detach that so yes on that note thank you for listening and we will see you next week thank you guys Bye-bye. bye bye